This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happymon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation. How does India manage its national security? What are the various institutions, individuals and structures that make up India's national security system? What are the reforms that are required at this point of time to better manage our national security system? To discuss this and more, I have with me in the studio Dr. Arvind Gupta. Dr. Arvind Gupta is the director of the Vivekananda International Foundation based in Delhi. He is a former Deputy National Security Advisor to the Government of India and a former Secretary, National Security Council Secretariat. He was also the Director General of the Institute of Defense Studies and Analysis, that is IDSA, from 2012 to 2014. But the reason why I have requested Dr. Gupta to come to the studio to discuss national security with me is because I happened to read this very interesting book recently published by Dr. Gupta on how India manages its national security. It's a fantastic book. You should all read this. This actually is a very fine introduction to India's national security. Welcome to National Security Conversation, Dr. Gupta. And congratulations on this excellent book. Can we start by introducing your book to the viewers by way of telling what are the key features and the key arguments of this book? Well, I think you covered uh, some of it in your very nice introduction. India faces multiplicity of national security challenges. And it has been so since 1947 when we became uh, independent. And now we have a national security uh, environment of India that is changing in many, many different ways. Now, in order to deal with these challenges, since we became independent, India has set up a wide variety of national uh, security management institutions. So India has a huge national security management institutions. It's even difficult to count how many uh, agencies that we have. So this book is an introduction to the national security management uh, system of India and looks at various uh, institutions like the armed forces, the police, the technology institutions and so on. And uh, I had had some uh, thing to uh, do with uh, as a member of the National Security Council Secretariat. I had uh, some experience of uh, looking at uh, those uh, problems. Uh, so I thought that uh, outside the uh, government, while there is of course a debate on uh, national uh, security, but uh, the integrity of these institutions is not often well understood. So I have written a like a, a primer, you could call it, a simple introduction to the national security management system where I have tried to bring in as many organizations as I could think of, uh, bring them together and look at their issues and also see how in the overall context of India's national security, how are they functioning? Are they uh, able to perform their functions. What is it that we need to do? And that's where the reform, etc., comes in. That's right. Um, can we can we talk a little bit on the National Security Council, the role of the National Security Council in managing India's national security and its 
relationship with the cabinet committee on security you mentioned both in the book but i'd like to sort of uh, you to discuss the relationship between these two the need for national security council was has been mentioned for many decades uh, in fact uh, in 1972 uh, mr k subramanyam late k subramanyam he had spoken about the need for a national security council but it was not set up and it was the first time that it was set up was in 1990 when uh, uh, mr vp singh was the uh, prime minister but he never met so you had uh, some thinking you had some institution but strangely it never met at that point of time the situation changed in 1998 when we had uh, uh, india conducting the nuclear tests and then india became a nuclear power and we had to be behaving like a responsible nuclear power and nuclear as you know we became a nuclear power as a result of very rapid changes in our national security environment so the thinking again was that we should set up a body which was the national security council uh, we should look at the national security in a holistic fashion and that is how by an executive order uh, national security council was set up in 1999 uh, since then we have now been uh, this uh, institution has been evolving it is not only national security council which is a political body uh, headed by the prime minister but there are associated institutions like the national security council secretariat national security advisory board the strategic uh, uh, planning group etc these uh, institutions are actually functioning as we speak uh, so it has been evolving and uh, i think uh, the uh, need for this uh, was as i said to uh, look at national security in a holistic fashion and that was also the time and i think last 20 years or so all over the world in the think tank circuit in the government people have felt that it's not just the traditional security that we have to deal with we also have to deal with non traditional security issues say for instance terrorism say for instance drug trafficking or the water security issues and so on and so forth so there are many many dimensions to national security that we have to today look at and national security council does that what is the need for a national security council when you already have a cabinet committee on security given the fact that cabinet committee on security probably supersedes the national security council actually the cabinet committee on security ccs as we call it and national security council have exactly the same membership so it's a valid question it's uh, uh, why is it that we require two different institutions but the way we have evolved in this country in terms of our governance and the way the uh, government functions cabinet committees on security is a ultimately a decision making organization so the way our cabinet function uh, functions is that there is uh, those issues where a normally a minister is able to take a decision in a department but there are some issues as for instance many times in the case of national security issues which concern more than one ministry maybe two three four five six ministries now that kind of a uh, uh, so the decisions have to be taken by the cabinet committee on security but before that it is one department say ministry of external affairs or ministry of defense or some other ministry which prepares a note and it is essentially a decision making note you do not in that note discuss say what is going to be 20 years from now the national security environment or what is it that we should do for future planning 
Now, National Security Council, which is not a decision-making body, which is actually an advisory body that has the time and luxury to look at these issues in a more detailed manner, in a more consultative manner and then identify what needs to be done. And once it identifies what needs to be done, then it goes back to the various ministries, etc., for making specific plans, strategies, etc., and come up for policy decisions. So, in short, Cabinet Committee on Security takes the decisions which are related to, say, financing, uh, which are related to our strategy, etc. But strategy making itself, that is something the National Security Council does. But given the fact that you correctly pointed out and also written in this book that the membership of the committee and the council are one and the same. Hypothetically speaking, if supposing we do not have the National Security Council, we have the Cabinet Committee on Security and the National Security Council Secretariat, the NSAB, etc. Would there be a problem? Why do we need yes. to have this extra? It is the process. It is supposing tomorrow you tell me, let us produce a strategy, a national security strategy. Now, there is no one department in the government which can produce national security strategy because since national security is a multidisciplinary uh, process. So, it is the National Security Council Secretariat in consultations with the others will produce a national security strategy which will then go to the National Security uh, Council and which will look at it, yes, this is how it should be, it should not be, maybe this should be added, maybe more consultations are required and then it may come back. But when it comes to actually taking a decision, now okay, you have a national security strategy which will be approved by the National Security Council, but when it comes to taking specific decisions, so making a strategy, taking a long-term uh, view and strategic thinking, that is why this institution, which includes, as I said, not just the National Security Council as a top body, but other associated institutions, that is where that uh, process is done. The Cabinet Committee security uh, process is entirely different from uh, the National Security Council process. So, process is also important. Right. Uh, on page 70 of your book, Dr. Gupta, you say that the National Security Council and its structures do not find a mention in the Government of India's allocation of business rules because the government generally does not function on the basis of overarching institutions. This normally needs to be corrected. Um, so, are you saying that the Government of India's allocation of business rules need to be amended in order to give more teeth to the NSC? When uh, the government was set up, say in uh, 1960s, you know, the allocation of business rules, transaction of business rules, etc. were formed at that point of time. We simply had ministries at that point of time. So, you said, alright, this is what the MOD will do, this is what X uh, department will do, this is what X agency will do and these are very well laid, uh, laid down. That is how the siloed structure of the government came in. But these issues which required uh, many ministries to work together, this is a much later uh, uh, innovation. And this is also, many countries did not have National Security Council, but in the last 15-20 years, something like 50-60 countries have set up the National Security Councils. We did not think at that point of time that non-traditional security issues will become part of uh, security. Say food and water, even today in our system, is being dealt with by concerned ministries. But so, that will not even ever go to a cabinet committee on security. But the security dimension of water shortages, that is something, who will think about it? You needed an institution and that is what National Security Council does. And hence, since National Security Council was not mentioned in the uh, allocation of business rules, so you have a, a situation where you have the departments, 
but you have a body which is thinking multidisciplinary and bringing in coordination is not mentioned that i think that anomaly needs to be corrected but there was a recent announcement and the creation of a defense planning committee uh, does that body dilute the significance and the importance of the uh, national security uh, council no not necessarily because you see national security council by its very nature will have a very wide remit because it brings it picks up an issue and it brings any uh, particular any uh, number of bodies both within the government and outside the government also they can all be brought together so this i think you were mentioning uh, referring to the dpc right. dpc is looking at uh, issues of uh, defense planning that is what it is looking at and is looking at a few uh, mini, uh, you know ministries like mod mea ministry of finance etc now all these bodies are already represented in uh, national security uh, council and the national security council secretariat also deals with it and national security advisor is the uh, head of that dpc so it can very well be fitted into the overall national security council because of the great flexibility that national security council has in terms of picking up uh, its subject and in terms of bringing people together but given the fact that we already have a national security council was there a need for a new dpc to be put in place i think uh, dpc in my view has come about because there were uh, there is the urgency of uh, defense uh, reforms uh, and uh, we had set up an ids uh, some uh, years ago and ids was the body which was supposed to bring in uh, you know synergy etc and look at some of these reforms but ids by itself couldn't do it and it required certain other ministries etc so it's a very specific body with the three or four, four i think uh, working groups which have been uh, set up now uh, nsa is in charge so nsa has the overall view of national security also so i think they can function it it is it in no way contradicts and in fact it will work in conjunction with the national security council secretariat or anybody else it wants to work with including the think tanks if it wants to you know the way um, kc pant uh, task force in 19 in the late 1990s had imagined the national security council system and the national security advisor was slightly different the um, the kc pant um, committee had actually task force had actually suggested that the national security advisor should have a, the rank of a cabinet minister but as it stands today the national security advisor and the national security council um, have not been given any legal or constitutional imprimatur um, uh, the national security advisor derives his power from the proximity to the prime minister um, now the national security advisor is de facto the security czar of the country um, is it is it a good idea to have um, so much power vested in one person who has not been given the constitutional and the legal imprimatur um, now you yourself mentioned in the book that uh, the nsa is a single point in national security advisor to the government of india he heads the national intelligence board the executive branch of the nuclear command authority and often invited to cabinet uh, committee on security meetings um, now all of this is happening without any any legal or constitutional provision is there is there a problem there should that be corrected please remember that national security advisor is also only advisor as i mentioned earlier the actual decision will be taken by the cabinet committee on security through the system of uh, you know departmental notes and uh, ministerial uh, uh, approvals etc if i need let's say additional resources for a ministry now whether we require or we don't require 
is something that can be discussed in a multidisciplinary platform where national security advisor and his associated uh, structures can uh, discuss this and then it can make a recommendation advice to the government look we need this strategy say say for instance in the case of indian ocean let us say indian ocean strategy we have discussed this uh, in the national security council etc but once you want to now implement that all right which countries you want to have a uh, cooperation with where do you want to build ports what will be the shape of the navy etc after having given the advice this will go back to the ministry of defense and the navy and so on and so forth so they will take that advice and that they convert it into the implementable decisions which will again go to the cabinet committee on security so national security advisor cannot order a particular ministry do this or do that i i agree but dr gupta the reality is that the national security advisor today coordinates among various agencies but that he negotiates he negotiates with various countries he is a special envoy to various countries so he is someone who is in charge of a lot of things why not have this a uh, person or this post be given legal and constitutional imprimatur see this is a system which is evolving this is a system which is evolving we are experimenting with it and who knows what will happen in the future this has been debated and discussed many times uh, you know some well, uh, some people have said that why should there not be a ministry for uh, national security mr nn vora talked about in i think one of his uh, lectures uh, in uh, uh, some uh, last year so this is a system which will evolve and i think we should really take that system which is the most uh, which is suitable for us so let us hope because 20 years we have been evolving we may take some more time let's let's look at the um, nsu once again um, you do mention in your book that the national security council is rarely used and for that matter even the cabinet committee on security is not something that meets very regularly um, so the if the cabinet committee on security and the national security council do not meet very often does that lead to some kind of an ad hoc national security decision making in the country i do understand the evolving part of it but it is important to discuss about this thing so that the corrections can be made one i think cabinet committee on security meets far more regularly than actually the uh, the people know in fact the meetings take place probably every uh, month or maybe twice a month or depending upon what is the need because there is a large number of decisions which need to be uh, uh, taken by the various ministries so it is not true that cabinet committee on security does not meet in my experience i think yes national security council meets less frequently than has been the case with cabinet committee on security and i write in the book also that i think there is a need for a greater uh, you know activist activism uh, of the national security council because this is a body in fact it does not meet under the pressure of taking a decision and that gives it a chance to look at issues in a little bit more relaxed manner in a long term fashion that is the advantage of a national security council so i think uh, but it should meet more often but whether it uh, hampers national security uh, decision making day to day no as i said the cabinet committee on security meets national security advisor is uh, already you know as you said is very much in charge and focused and large number of decisions are being taken so that part really works but where i personally feel that so that a deeper analysis deeper thinking happens more stakeholders and we also take up issues which are on the horizon or beyond the horizon that i think can be very nicely done in the national security council and it should meet more often 
One related criticism, Dr. Gupta, is that a lot of national security powers are today vested in the PMO, concentrated in the PMO and in the NSA. For example, this government did not even appoint an NSA, NSAB, National Security Advisory Board, for two years of, after it's come, coming into power. So is, is there any, any, any merit in that criticism that too much of national security power is concentrated in the PMO itself and it should be more diversified? Look, this is a, uh, a general point. It is not just about uh, national security. Prime Minister's office in this country has always played an important role, particularly from the time of uh, Mrs. Indira Gandhi, that's now almost 45, 50 years ago. Prime Minister has to play an important role. So I don't take this, uh, uh, you know, uh, think uh, too seriously that Prime Minister's office concentrates uh, all the powers. Prime Minister's office is always in touch with all the ministries and departments and there is a very healthy to and fro and uh, that happens, consultations that happens and as I said, the National Security Advisor who is a part of the PMO, he has his own ecosystem which has been built. So I will not go into uh, this issue because that is more like a, a style of functioning of a particular uh, leader. The issue is whether there is a delay. Uh, or there is a, uh, you know, we must bring in efficiency. If Prime Minister's office can bring in efficiency and if it can sort out issues, why not uh, do that? And ultimately, everything goes to Cabinet Committee on Security. And which means the Cabinet Secretary also gets involved in this system because he is uh, the Cabinet Secretary, deals with the entire Cabinet. But that's why this uh, uh, SPG is there, you know, Strategic uh, Policy Group, which is headed by the Cabinet Secretary and which all the security agencies also set. So that's also part that, that has been thought through the system. The system is pretty large. The issue is that we should be able to take decisions. It doesn't matter how you take it, but there is enough consultation in the uh, government that happens. In fact, sometimes you might say too much consultation that happens and that sometimes delays the decisions. But this is a democracy. We have to take everybody on board. We have to build consensus and we have to look at every issue that is raised. So I think this is, and that is where sometimes PMO comes. If the delays are too many, then perhaps the PMO's uh, you know status and uh, power that can sort out uh, the uh, the delays. I do I do understand the efficiency argument, but it is also important um, to invest in processes and in, in institutions. For example, that you did not appoint an NSAB for two years, and you've been quite positive about the NSAB in the book. Uh, the fact that they have produced papers and they have that is populated by a lot of uh, people from the from 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 academy and from think tanks, etc. So it's also I mean in, in, while while you while you are taking decisions, it is also important to strengthen the processes. Absolutely. Right and NSAB. So when the new government came, it was looking at the efficacy of the various institutions. So there was some discussion about how we should, you know, uh, see whether these things are working. And the new government also took some time. So I think it's uh, anyway the delay was not too much. I mean, sometimes uh, even in the previous NSABs, there have been a delay of six months, eight months, sometimes a year also. It was not too much of a delay, but I think the NSAB was restructured and it's working slightly differently from the earlier NSABs. That's right. You've been secretary in the National Security Council Secretariat. Could you sort of try and explain to our viewers the role that is being played by the NSCS uh, in the country's national security system? See, as the uh, NSC system was uh, designed, the National Security Council Secretariat was meant to be a secretariat to the National Security Council. And it is really uh, also uh, providing inputs to the National Security Advisor. And also as uh, NSCS, 
it is also uh, a, uh, a secretariat to the SPG group. So all the various uh, uh, institutions that were set up under the NSC, they are all handled, the secretarial inputs and assistance is provided by the uh, NSCS, that is point one. The second is, it is also, uh, it has a number of experts, etc. And uh, there are a number of divisions which have been mentioned here. Now, it is the NSCS which does the nitty gritty of, uh, you know, uh, identifying an issue, uh, uh, collating inputs, preparing um, its uh, uh, assessments, running it through the various departments, uh, bringing all of them together in a, a consultative process, preparing notes for uh, the consideration of the NSA, for the SPG, for uh, NSC, uh, looking at for a large number of task forces. Then as you said, there is also a huge amount of diplomacy, security diplomacy which is going on. So preparing for that security diplomacy, preparing uh, and taking input from uh, the Ministry of External Affairs, Ministry of Defense, etc. So there is a huge amount of uh, coordination work that the uh, uh, NSES does. And in the process also provides uh, its own uh, views and uh, uh, assessments. How effective has the NSES been in coordinating uh, policies with various other departments, home ministry or, or, or NEA or defense ministry for that matter? In my experience, I have spent uh, uh, 11 years in uh, the NSES, first as Joint Secretary and then as Secretary here. It is an extremely important uh, organization and it is busy all the time. And we have not only these uh, ministries, uh, the MOD or the MEA that you mentioned, the NSCS has also been in touch with a large number of uh, non-traditional uh, ministries as well. For instance, we are touching, we were in touch with education, with the power, uh, with the telecom, with METI, you know, all the dealing with cyber, sometimes even with the, the uh, state governments. Also, uh, in the context of NSAB, because uh, the NSCS was providing inputs uh, or assistance to NSAB, in that context, also with the strategic community of uh, uh, in, in India, so think tanks, it also has some small research budget, so it was also uh, funding some studies. Uh, the NSCS also brings in large number of experts for almost weekly talks, if not weekly, at least twice or thrice a month, all kinds of uh, talks. When big issues erupt, you want to have input from various uh, people within the government, outside the government, that too. Then uh, the Deputy National Security Advisor, he is also into the uh, diplomacy part. A lot of cyber diplomacy is being done there. The National Cyber Security Coordinator is part of the NSES. So coordinating India's policies on cyber issues, looking at cyber technology industry for instance, or looking at space issues, looking at intelligence issues. So all these issues are dealt with the, at a you know, working level in the uh, NSES. So it's a huge role. So the NSES staff um, sort of try and come out with these papers under the supervision of this That's joint secretary right. and submits it to the secretary. Right. Uh, and what, what happens to those but papers? But it's fairly flat, you know. The NSCS is a small organization. Right. So the joint the distance between the joint secretary and uh, the uh, secretary is hardly any distance. You know, they are working as a team. Uh, what happened to these papers? Many things happen to these papers. As I said, many of these papers are exploratory in nature. They are picking up a subject. They take sometimes a long time to develop into a decision making. But in the end, these papers, the, the fully matured papers, 
they go to the SPG, you know, which is headed by the cabinet secretary and where it gets into the system. So, okay, suddenly somebody, because SPG uh, has about more than probably a dozen secretaries uh, who are represented in that. So, so, okay, now then cyber security, we ought to be doing this. So, what is Metis doing? So, it gets into the official system. Uh, then you have, uh, uh, say, as I said, issues of water, for instance. Say, uh, our relationship, our uh, diplomacy on water with various countries. Is this something? That's very revolutionary for the for a security yes, agency yes. to look at. Yes, yes. And in fact, maximum work uh, in the government is being done there. Because the concerned ministry will look at, okay, I have uh, a discussion, let's say, with Pakistan on Indus Water uh, uh, Treaty, etc. So, we this is what we have generated. But you have to take a future thing. Should you continue? Should you not do it? What should you do, etc.? So, you uh, prepare. I mean, if you find something which needs to be added to existing policies, NSCs is the place. NSC is the one which will identify that and that is the one which will go to the various uh, uh, policymakers. In the preface of your book, um, uh, Dr. Gupta, you write, um, in recent years there has been a tendency to politicize the actions of the armed forces. An example of this was the politicization of the Indian Army's surgical strikes against the terrorist launch pads in Pakistan in 2016. Political parties freely used the Army's name in the election campaigns ahead of the state assembly elections in Uttar Pradesh in 2017. This is a dangerous tendency which need to be which needs to be curbed. You call it a trend, not a one-off incident. Why do you call it a trend and not a one-off incident and how worrying is this? As, as a professional, you, you've been a strategic thinker, you've been a practitioner, how do you look at it objectively? I think we should nip it into the bud. It should not happen uh, often. And as you can see, the public debates, not only in this issue, but so many other issues, there is, people are talking too loosely about the armed forces. The debates uh, are often ill-informed, sometimes they are motivated. And I'm trying to warn here, please don't do that. It is, the security institutions should be kept outside the, uh, the uh, political debate. You see, unless we build a political consensus on our national security, whether what are our national security challenges, how we should deal with them. Unless we do that, we will be harming ourselves. This was not the, and earlier it was uh, on foreign policy and on national security, there used to be a general consensus. But as, as a professional and as a citizen, I feel a little disturbed that people talk about these things very loosely now. So that is uh, the point that I was let, let me Let me probe that a little more. So when you say that national security agencies or armed forces should be kept out of such political discussions, what you are trying to say, please correct me if I am wrong, what you are trying to say is that politicization, unnecessary partisan politicization of these institutions should not play, take place. You are not saying that uh, in a democracy like, like ours, we should not be discussing or critiquing uh, no, the policies of the government. No, no, there is no question of, you know, this is an uh, open country, this is a democratic country, etc. And we should be looking at this, the purpose of writing this book is precisely this, but let this be informed debate. And let there be, let there be a consensus building on this. You see, the point is we are not working towards a consensus building. Uh, and a uh, lot of our uh, political uh, uh, debates are, uh, you know, very partisan debates. And also, I think uh, there is, uh, uh, in the earlier times, uh, the political, the uh, 
political the ruling party would reach out to uh, the uh, opposition parties there would be uh, debate in the parliament and finally a decisions would be uh, arrived at and these will be national decisions so let us build national consensus and let us take them as national institutions otherwise uh, you know politicizing would only weaken them one of the things that comes out very clearly in the book dr gupta is the need for empowering the national security council how do you suggest that india should go about empowering the national security council see one is that uh, i think it should be brought into the transaction of uh, business rules etc so there is a clear definition of that that is number one secondly we have decided that it is totally an advisory body you know so if it is an advisory body then somebody may listen to your advice or may not listen to advice so i think there should be some way of uh, looking at uh, where does the advice st stop and where does a uh, you know decision taken as you yourself noted ultimately there is no difference between ccs and the uh, nsc and it's only a question of certain procedures but i think there can be very there many ways in which we can uh, do it then other thing is we should strengthen these uh, institutions i think that's also very important and i also feel that we should take the uh, these institution to uh, the states as well though you know because many of our states they are bordering states uh, they are uh, affected by many uh, both internal security and external security uh, affects them so can we think of a system in which in consensus building on national security these states the chief ministers the state apparatus the state institutions are also brought in right now it is a pretty much a central government uh, uh, enterprise as i said a little bit of you know con uh, contact and connection is there but can we institutionalize uh, that that is another thing we can do another very important uh, suggestion which is uh, there in the book and which has also been talked about is today national security is a, a composite whole you know so many disciplines go into it experts you see national security is not simply a question of a soldier being trained it is the people who are let's say experts in cyber security in computers space and so many other things now we don't have expertise so can we build a cadre of national security experts who have the uh, some knowledge about those disciplines which go into uh, national security you know it could be as i mentioned it could be computers cyber for instance it big data analytics it could be even forensics it could be uh, how you deal with satellites and in the case of non traditional security issues we should be having experts on energy on water on terrorism and so on so we need a a cadre and i am suggesting in this book that we should have a cadre a few hundred people perhaps and which could uh, then be posted in different ministries and departments and maybe even in states and there could be a proper recruitment process if well thought out recruitment process and perhaps uh, it can be uh, run by the national security advisor himself so this is one suggestion that has in been. fact you in, in the book you mentioned you talk about the importance of a specialized national security cadre involving domain experts amending the allocation of business rules creation of indu the indian national defense university ministry of national security for example what is the status of thinking in the government about some of these things these are very revolutionary and very important steps so what is the state of thinking in the government well some of this is happening for instance indu uh, that uh, was uh, conceptualized uh, many years ago and uh, it's essentially going through the uh, it should be 
the act has to be passed through the parliament. So something always uh, holds it back. But I hope uh, that uh, happens. And uh, on other issues, I think uh, the uh, ideas have still to uh, mature. Something will happen, I hope. But uh, we are still at the uh, early stages of thinking. Dr. Gupta, in um, you do argue in the book that besides empowering the National Security Council, we also need several more national security institutions, for example, um, you did mention the issue of the counter-terrorism center and perhaps an agency to coordinate maritime security issues. But you mentioned earlier on in the interview that we do have, we have so many institutions. Now, is it a question of a lack of institutions or is it a question of the importance or the need for more coordination? Uh, what, See, what is the real issue? I here? think coordination here is more important and sometimes you need a totally new institution as well. Uh, like we created the uh, National Cyber Security Coordinator that was needed. So we need not be uh, too rigid in this. We can, when required, you should build a new institution. But I agree, it is the existing institutions where better, they need to be better synergized, coordinated, uh, equipped, uh, uh, both, uh, you know, uh, their manpower requirements, their financial resources, and all these need to be taken into account. But the most important part is the coordination part, which I think, uh, which is what the National Security Council can do and should do. Newer institutions, which are essentially coordinating institutions that can be created. I can give you an example, for instance, say the case of, let's say, strategic minerals. Now, strategic minerals have never been really thought about as a national security issue. But after this rare earth thing happened uh, in China in yeah. 2010 and they stopped it, and then you also realize that in your various the entire uh, defense and strategic uh, industry, uh, you know, let's say aerospace or the satellites, etc., depends on the use of strategic minerals. So you have a minerals uh, and mining uh, department, but it doesn't look at it as a strategic minerals from the point of national security. And when you looked at the problem of national strategic minerals, you realize that there are many institutions, maybe about 20, 30 institutions, which require to be brought together. So on a day-to-day -to -day basis, who will do that? So, very often the uh, model that is suggested for India is that of the Atomic Energy Commission or the Space Commission, mm. uh, which was set up many years ago. And they are the people who then have their own ecosystem in which they think through, they take decisions, they have experts, etc. And all their inputs are ultimately where they are coming? They are coming to the National Security Council. On page 342 of your book, you write, the work culture in the government is still tuned to tactical rather than strategic thinking. An active NSE uh, would help um, um, turn up the government machinery and compel government departments to take a holistic view of national security. In other words, you are saying that there is still no holistic view on national security in the country. Is it still evolving? Is it how worrying is it? Should we be worried? Surely, I mean, National Security Council, when it was set up, it was set up precisely for this purpose. And it has, as I said, made uh, some progress. But the way things are changing, I mean, what we did not hear uh, just uh, three, four years ago, uh, what is big data analytics? Which means we should expect more and more changes and more, and that's why we need to do more strategic thinking. So the one key argument uh, in this book is, that we must not get bogged down and even National Security Council should not get bogged down with uh, nitty-gritty. That is something which the uh, which is done by the various ministries, etc. We must take a strategic uh, uh, view of national security. Dr. Kupata, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page National Security Conversations with Happy Mon Jacob.